And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 292. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And uh, yeah, Thor is in the theaters as we speak. Lots of people on my friends list having gone seen, loving it. Uh, several people have seen it more than once. It's looking like... My fears have been unfounded, at least so far, that's what I'm thinking, uh, because we get a lot of people out there loving this film. So that's good news. And uh, I know I haven't seen it yet. Uh, going to see it probably in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I don't want to wait too long, so, you know, because of spoilers and that kind of thing. But also, you know, wanting to see it, obviously. I'm not one of those people that rushes out the first week something is open. And, uh, you know, don't really like the crowded theater experience as much as some people might. But anyway, so Pete and I are probably going to go see it this uh, coming week. Or maybe next weekend. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's kind of what we're thinking uh, about, about the Thor movie. So uh, just a a quick uh, announcement here that uh, my secret project I was talking about before, that secret project is now out. I appeared on a a recent episode of Back to the Bins. You can go find that over at twotruefreaks.com. Look for Back to the Bins there and look for the obligatory Thor tie-in episode. And uh, we talked, uh, Paul Spataro and Dr. Bill Robinson and myself, uh, we covered uh, three Thor Hulk smackdowns. They're, they're, they're the sensible people. They're going to choose the one from the Lee Kirby era, the ones that were really well-known and really famous. I picked a kind of obscure one from the extreme 90s uh, because uh, for other reasons, I mean, it's one of those issues that I'll probably never really get to <laughs> because of, uh, there's so much mediocrity in the 90s. So there's much better stuff that I'm interested in covering. But anyway, we do get to talk about the Hulk's trousers and, uh, you know, Thor being teabagged and a bunch of other exciting things there. So if you uh, go uh, to truetruefreaks.com, again, look for the uh, most recent issue of Back to the Bins uh, dealing with the Thor Hulk smackdowns. And I'm there as a guest. So uh, I always have a lot of fun recording with those guys. It's great fun. And I hope that they have me on again because it's, it's, yeah, like I said, it's a good time to record with those guys. All right, so uh, we do have an issue of Thor to cover, so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder the god of thunder, And this week we are looking at the mighty Thor issue number 197. Cover date is March of 1972. Cover price is 20 cents. Cover art is by Johnny Ramita. And if that, I didn't look that up. If that's not a Johnny Ramita cover, I will buy a back issue of this comic and I will eat it because that is definitely a Johnny Ramita cover. Uh, it is a beautiful cover showing Thor 
and he's uh, flying with a swoosh through the air. Beautifully uh, composed picture here. And he is smacking the Mangogs right in the face with Mjolnir. Just a beautifully drawn, beautifully colored cover. Like I said, that if that's not Johnny Romita, then uh, yeah, I'll be uh, eating an old comic book. Uh, the cover blurb says Mangog Unleashed. Opening up to the splash page, we have the title of the story, The Well at the End of the World. And we also have the credit. Stan Lee was the editor. Jerry Conway was the scripter. John Buscema was the penciler. Vinnie Coletta was the inker. And Artie Simek was the letterer. The splash page shows Thor and the Warriors 3. Thor is in the foreground. The rest of them are in the background. And it is very wordy. Hogan says, My lord Thor, this be madness. Thou dost not even know why thy father Odin hath sent us on this mystic quest. Sent us here, that we should battle for the waters of some twilight well. Say no more, friend Hogan, says Thor. This at least I know. Thor must fight yon craggy giant for Odin and for Asgard. And Volstong shall duly guard thee from behind, my lord. Where else, voluminous one, says Fandral, hath not Thor ordered us all to flank his rear? Oh, my... Yet understand this, my friend, if noble Thor falls, tis the blade of Fandral which next will strike. And uh, so we then uh, continue on, and of course, Thor is fighting against Kartag, the keeper of the well. And uh, Kartag hurls his stone axe at uh, Thor, who manages to dodge it, and it hits the uh, wall behind Thor, which shouldn't be there because there was no wall behind Thor, uh, but it hits the wall with a thock. <laughs> and, um, Thor says, Ah, the giant moves quickly, then the battle shall be short. What name have they given you, large one? Tell me that I'll know whom to curse. They call me Kartag, Nat. Kartag, the keeper of the well. Then twas thou who sent those demons against us, villain. Thou who kept us from our sacred goal. This planet truly be a madman's nest, but methinks my mystic hammer Mjolnir shall clean it out. And Thor uh, whips his hammer at Kartag, hits him right in the face with a fack, and knocks the uh, giant down. A very Kirby-esque panel here of uh, the giant falling back after being hit by the hammer. And of course the hammer flies back to uh, Thor's hand. Thou dost rise with effort, Kartag. Thinkest thou we should call an end to battle? He speaks not. I do not trust this keeper. He seems too calm. And yet, why not? Be he not lord of this place, and we the strangers? Aye, stranger soon to be crushed, says Kartag. And he hurls a boulder at Thor, and Thor dodges it. Um, but the um, again, with the... The uh, boulder slamming into the wall that's not there. There is no wall here. <laughs> so, um, we do have a big rock, but it's not a wall. And the Warriors 3 are actually behind Thor. So I'm not sure what, what these rocks are, are bump, bumping into. So anyway, that's more a sort of the end of the show sort of thing. But it just bothers me a little bit. Maybe maybe Coletta and, you know, raced the wall. I don't know. Anyway... So Kartag is uh, knocked Thor down. He says, For two thousand centuries have I held this secret cave. None have ever dared cross its threshold and lived. Friends, he moves to strike, says Fandral. Let our blades move speedily. Hogan, take his right. I shall... What? 
and they are grabbed by uh, rock hands coming from below. And because they have to speak the obvious, uh, Hogan says, hands of granite rock rising from the stone below. Sorcery, says Vendrel. You expected less, my startled foemen. I did not lead you to this cave for naught. This battle is for Thor alone. Satrina will see to that. And we have uh, the return of uh, Satrina looking uh, as devilish as ever she did. Vixen, we should have expected as much from a witch. Why we let thee guide us here, I'll never. Stars above, the stone shatters not. Yeah, because, you know, normally if you hit a stone with a sword, it just shatters, right? <laughs> anyway, um, so Fandral and uh, the, the other warriors three are captured by these uh, stone hands. And Hogan says, our weapons be useless against it. And we return to Thor, who is uh, fighting Kartag, and uh, Kartag is saying, Satrina, thou didst show thy love most strangely. If truly thou dost care for me, then why bring them? Stop dancing, blonde hair. Hold still. Nay, I'll keep myself alive, my friend, says Thor, for my quest be certainly a sacred one, commissioned by Odin himself. For reasons I've yet to learn, I'm to steal water from that night-black pool, and no guard will ever stop. And um, he is uh, knocked over by uh, Kartag, who topples uh, the two of them down towards the uh, the pool that they were just talking about in the, the sort of black pool of water. And there's sort of some kind of weird mist, polka dot mist kind of rising up out of it. And the Kartag is like, fool, now we're falling. And Thor says, nay, monster. Thou art falling, and thou wilt make a handy mattress, methinks. And Kartag smashes into the ground with a scratch, and Thor, uh, I guess, lands on... Oh, no, Thor grabs onto a uh, stalactite and um, kind of slides down that uh, stalactite all the way to the ground, apparently. And um, uh, Citrina, on the other hand, has decided she's going to deal with the Warriors Three, and uh, she does a spell, and the rock hands let them go. Rock, release them. They'll not aid their companion now. Where, says Fendrel, they fell to the cavern floor below, and from that final battle place only one will climb. Zounds, the woman speaks rightly, friends. Will our lord Thor be buried on this distant world, far from the blessed halls of Asgard? Give me thy trust, Fendrel. Thor be living still. "'Tis my foe, the Dark Pool's guard, who lies most silent. "'But no, I spoke too soon. "'Kartag's eyes do open, and his chest doth heave. "'The fight goes on. "'Yea, Bonhair, to your death. "'I've not traveled these many miles to die so senselessly, giant. "'The journey has been long and hard, "'made so by thy creature's treachery. "'Oh, my. "'Nay, I'll not die, not without learning the secret of that well.' why my lord Odin hath given me this quest. Thou dost fight well, blonde hair. Thy blows are strong. I'll bear a moment's grief in my warrior's heart at the passing of one so bold. You seek the well? Have it then. And um, Kartag runs into Thor, and he uh, dives into the pool with Thor in front of him. So basically he's grabbed onto Thor, and now he's sinking down to the bottom of the pool. And so it says, uh, you know, they're basically, they're, they're going down, down, down through the, uh, the pool. 
And as Thor is uh, you know, being dragged down to uh, you know, a watery death or something like that, he starts to see images in the water. And maybe this is the you know, magic of the water. Or maybe it's just life running before your eyes sort of thing. And the, uh, he's seeing uh, images of uh, the Mangog and Sif and Odin and Loki and Hela. And we get a little bit of uh, exposition uh, from his uh, thought balloons. Images. Drifting in the darkness, whirling ever closer, and with those dreamlike visions, there do come voices. Nay, not spoken words, but echoes, phantom echoes within my very brain. And uh, there's a uh, kind of, I don't know, I'm not really sure what's going on here as far as the narration, but it's a voice in his head, but it's talking to him, and it's telling him things he doesn't know. Thor, thou didst not know the reason why thy father sent thee beyond Asgard's farthest gates. But know thee now, Odin did it to save thee from these mighty claws, the claws of the released and rampaging Mangog. And we see Mangog is being attacked by soldiers and stuff. Know ye also that thy father Odin did send your beloved Sif away to protect her likewise. Even now the demon whose power is that of a billion billion beings stalks free amongst Asgard's sacred halls. And whither he goes, death doth truly follow. Know ye also that thy father Odin did send your beloved Sif away to protect her likewise. Know ye, Thor, that thou art Odin's only hope, and that even as we speak he takes one last fatal measure, the measure which may spell the very end of Asgard that thy half-brother Loki so hatefully desires. Uh, We'll talk about that maybe at the end of the show. Uh, It's not really true, is it? And we shift back to uh, where the Warriors 3 are uh, waiting for Thor and uh, uh, Kartag to uh, finish their fight. I like it not, Hogan, says Fendril. Too long have they been beneath those churning waves. Aye, even Thor's lungs might be wearily strained. Yet, what may we do, friend Fendril? The vixen holds us still. So, I guess she's holding them with a, uh, I don't know, a spell? I don't know, anyway. So, um... Methinks a well-placed blade might remedy that old friend, says Fandril. Strike a woman? Fandril, thy anger does thy chivalry steal. And while you two do bicker, Volstog's eagle eyes do spy the answer to our fears. Look thee, the pool! And the pool is bubbling, and uh, a hand comes reaching up from uh, below the water. But it turns out that it's Cartag's hand. And Kartag pulls himself out of the uh, the water, and he has Thor uh, in his in his hands, uh, carrying him up out of the water too. And it looks like Thor is unconscious or dead or something. And uh, Kartag says, "Tis done. Kartag hath obeyed thy ignoble commands." We hear a, uh, a a laughter. It says ringing, and shadows twisting and flowing. The darkness seems to come alive. And uh, there are three figures who appear in the mist, and they're they're sort of red-robed figures, and they are uh, crone-like figures. And um, interesting, uh, they they say, So, Keeper, thou dost call our orders foul, then? Since when art thou thy master's judge? Know that Thor be not dead as thou thinkst. Yea, he but sleeps his mind overcome by the visions we have wrought. Set him gently down, Keeper, for in his hands rest the fates of the universe. 
Thou hast kept this pool well, keeper. Now thou wilt have thy reward. Odin did send Thor to gain waters from this twilight well, and so he shall. Thunder God, awake! And uh, Thor wakes up. And um, he says, My eyes, something forces them open. Lord, tis witchcraft, says Hogan. I trust those crones but little. Be most wary, my liege. Thy warnings are fair but misguided, Hogan, says the old woman. All this has been but a test to see if thy race be worthy of saving. Now we know it truly is, and so thou shalt have what thou hast sought. And they, the three women, they do kind of a magic spell, and um, three uh, wineskins full of, of water appear, or, or three wineskins appear. I guess they're not full of anything yet. And Volstagg says, Zounds, sheepskins, and for what black purpose? Calm thyself, Volstagg, says Thor. We've not to fear, I think. Nay, but the danger comes from another quarter. One these waters art destined to fight. My lord, says Hogan, I'll tell thee later, friend. We shift briefly to uh, Satrina and Cartag, and they're having a lover's spat here. No, you cannot mean this. These men go free after all the pain I've suffered to capture them, to hold them for you. Satrina, my love, thou dost understand little of what has happened here this day. These women. Then it's their doing. They are the ones who've stolen you from me, and they shall die. And Satrina shoots some sort of fire, lightning, bolts kind of thing out of her hand. And Kartag is like, nay. But uh, it, the ray just kind of bounces off the uh, the three old crones. And the, uh, she's, they say, Fear not, Kartag, our power be supreme. Thy lover doth not know us yet, nor can she see why we've given Thor his life. Satrina, my lovely, we be the Norns. None hath power against us, not even the All-Father himself. Thor and thy lover have seen our mystic well, and no men call us the Fates. My love, I did not. Please, can you ever forgive my blindness, says Satrina? I only sought to serve you, as I have for these thousand years since my form was changed. So her form was changed, so that's something new. I only sought to please you. T'was all I ever sought. I guess Thor is feeling sorry for, uh, for Satrina. <laughs> and uh, says, Fandral, methinks our eyes be the blinded ones. How often has love made men and women act in ways others might call cruel? Too often, my lord, says Fandral, far too often. Enough of this, says Cartag. Satrina will be safe here. My demons will protect her. Ooh, I'm sure they will. Thou wilt come with us then, says Thor. With us, my lord Thor. Be silent, Hogan, whilst I spin the mystic Mjolnir. The Nordens didst command this thing while we tread beneath those night-pit waves. For now we fight our greatest battle, and we'll need each hand beside us. And so uh, the five of them, so Thor, the Warriors Three, and Kartag, go uh, bouncing across time and space, and they are on the Rainbow Bridge. And uh, of course Thor is uh, going to whine a little bit. 
Yea, now I see it all. Odin sought to save us from Mangog's treacherous return, and in the process ensured our usefulness as well. These waters our sheepskins hold must be mystically tied to those in Odin's cosmic well, and mayhap in some way we cannot understand, Asgard's fate be cast with our own. And he's thinking in his head, um, Yea, and another's fate too, for fair Sif may be in eternity removed, as Odin sent her away to save her also. Yet where did my beloved now stand? On what distant world, beneath what alien sun? And we shift scenes, and we are back with uh, Hildegard and um, Sif. And Hildegard says, Poeti, a coin for thy thoughts, and another coin in wager they be of Thor. Thou wouldst win that bet, Hildegard. I yearn for his arms around me, and even as I do, part of my mind wonders. What strange planet is this that Odin hath sent us to? When the All-Father spoke with me and asked me to protect thee, he said not about the land being populated, not about medieval towns and whispers of some strange threat. I think, milady, we... There's a, a big monster that rises up out of the uh, the water where uh, Sif and, and Hildegard are kind of got a wading around in the water. And it looks like one of the uh, the slug creatures from the uh, last issue, but I guess it's not. Uh, this one has arms with sharp claws on it anyway. It's similar looking anyway. Um, and uh, Sif is like, Hildegard, behind thee. Ah, now here be the stuff of battles, not like those measly knights whom last we fought, which was last issue. They'd no spirit for female warriors, methinks. But this monster had no such scruples as he. And this uh, weird worm slug monster with the little clawed hands. He goes, ah, And he attacks uh, Hildegard, and Hildegard is fighting back. Sif is thinking to herself, uh, "'Tis almost mad. Didst not Odin know the dangers of this world? Or are these threats but newly formed? She needs mine aid. And the Sif goes for her sword and starts coming after the two of them. "'Stay thee back, girl,' says Hildegard. I'm charged with protecting thee, and that I'll do, even if it means my life. Sif is you know, more sensible than she is, apparently. <laughs> and the Sif says, Nay, thou art no use dead. Sif be too selfish to let thee leave her alone. And she's uh, striking the, uh, the monster with her sword, but it's having no effect. No, the hide be too strong. Girl, tis a magic sword thou dost hold. Use thy goddesshood or die. And um, she uh, says to herself, Now I understand. T'was a gift from Odin himself, methinks. And like his sacred Odin ring gains power from within its bearer. Strike, blade, strike. And it shoots out um, some kind of a ray beam. And uh, she's waving it around and it's making like swirls around her. And then she shoots out this big beam of fire and it uh, hits the worm creature with a sizz, and it looks like it, um, as it kind of dissolves the, the monster. And then Sif goes to see uh, what Hildegard, you know, how Hildegard's doing. Hildegard is kind of lying unconscious in the water, so uh, Sif is to kind of keep her from drowning, I guess. And uh, Sif says, She lies so still. Was the blow too late? In these past days, I've grown fond of Hildegard. And if this hostile land has... No, her pulse be strong, and... What? That sound. 
And there's a, a sound as a chug a chug a chug a chug. Nay, tisn't true. It cannot be. And it uh, turns out to be a steamship, <laughs> uh, like an old-fashioned, uh, you know, like, like early 20th century steamship. And uh, it's got like Captain Birdseye is the is the captain. Uh, it's a guy who is the you know captain's outfit and a beard and uh, basically looks like me. And uh, she's like uh, a steamship on this world of knights and monsters. It doth truly seem a dream. Where hath Odin sent us? Wait, there be movement on its decks, and there someone cometh. My mind must sore betray me. Not so, lass, says the uh, sea captain. Tis all his doing it is, but you canna know that, can ya? His? Tis twice I've heard that word. Bless yourself, it's only twice, lassie. He be all about you twisting and changing things, for he be a mad one for sure. Take the word of Silas Grant. Thou must tell me more. It all seems so mysterious. And uh, between uh, Sif and uh, the sea captain, they managed to get Hildegard in the uh, the dinghy and uh, trying to uh, take her back to the uh, steamship. Aye, it were lucky it told me that. I guess I'm the only one what survived these changes, lass. All the others are dead. You want the story, then? All right, I'll tell ye. And since it's enough to chill your soul... And we uh, shift back to Thor, the Warriors 3, and Kartag as they cross the Rainbow Bridge and they start to come across dead bodies and, um, you know, crushed corpses and dead horses and all that kind of thing. Thou sayest thy cosmic well art the double of mine own? So it seems, Keeper, says Thor. Perhaps when the waters from the two be brought together. My liege, look, says Fandral, the grim wreckage of battle. Yea, Mangog has passed this way, but no. What be that sight beyond the seat of death? And it turns out the Rainbow Bridge is broken. Yeah, so it's not the first time. Simonson wasn't the first one to break the Rainbow Bridge, folks. I think that this might be the first time it's happened. And uh, Thor says, Sons, the very mystic bridge itself, tis dissolved and beyond its final wisp. Asgard is gone. Lord, and all we hath feared hath come to pass. Yea, Hogan, says Fandral. All, all be destroyed. My father, what hast thou done to me, whines Thor? Hast thou stolen the privilege of fighting by thy side? Hast thou stolen from me thy dying words, thy fatherly hand, thy fatherly smile? Odin, I would have fought with thee, and now, now I've not but thy memory. And, yeah, as uh, Thor goes to whine, um, <laughs> they, they try to comfort him a little bit. My lord, I know thy grief be great, says Fandral, but think, my lord, where be the wreckage of that ultimate battle? What meanest thou, Fandral, says Thor? Perhaps Asgard is not destroyed. Perhaps Odin in his wisdom has given us the means. Of returning to that fair land, says Thor, tis too much to hope, but perhaps... There be a universal affinity between the waters of the cosmic and twilight wells. If the land of God still exists, in the distant corner of this universe, protecting all else from Mangog's wrath, then my hammer, baptized by those black night waters, will seek out that companion cosmic pool, and we shall travel with it. And so they take out one of the uh, water skins and they pour uh, water all over Thor's hammer. And he whips his hammer around, does the Ajax White Tornado thing, 
and they go flying off through Kirby space and it says, uh, the caption says here, space seems to warp around the speeding pilgrims and they find themselves shifting through the levels of dimensional time. Following the ethereal path blessed Asgard took when Odin willed it gone from the normal entropic universe, which happened last issue apparently, willed it beyond the furthest galactic barriers to a place where no star burns, where the sky is scarlet, and the battle for Asgard still doth reign. So this—that's what happened when the, um, like the the big fireball came out and and the you know, the sun went over or whatever. Anyway. So uh, Thor and the rest of them land in the middle of the ruins of Asgard, and it is ruins. A lot of um, buildings have been destroyed here. Fires fill the sky. Do Asgard legions hear yet battle? Odin must have known the fight would not go well, and so removed our land from men's eyes, where now the war will not destroy all who live. Stay back. I hear the sounds we seek, and those sounds are brutal. Sounds of fury. And we see the Asgardian warriors, and they are attacking uh, Mangog, and uh, Mangog is attacking uh, them back. We have more of these knights, like we saw um, last issue, uh, these knights with these sort of Iron Man-ish armor and blue horses. So, yeah, they're they're lacking some uh, imagination here with the coloring. And I, as I recall, there's no colorist credit either. So it's, it's got to be some... Uh, some anonymous uh, person in uh, production or something, and they probably uh, George Russos or somebody. And uh, it's, it's interesting that all the horses are blue. Ants, vermin, mine is the power of a race entire, and I shall have revenge on him who stole their lives, says Mangog, and he is smashing everything up. Tis no use, the demon is unstoppable. We all shall die, says one of the uh, uh, purported gods. And uh, Thor doesn't like the sound of that. And he gets his uh, hammer whirling and he takes off after Mangog. And it is a smackdown. It appears we arrive in time, says Thor. Mangog hath yet to strike the fatal blow. And if thunder means aught, he never will. And uh, Mangog sees Thor and he's like, "'Tis Odin's vituperous son. Thou dost share thy father's guilt, arrogant fool. Yea, there's glory as well, says Thor, and he whacks Mangog in the face. Doesn't seem to do Mangog much harm, but uh, anyway. Thou thinkest that because the race which spawned me in death now lives, that the debt I owe for them is over? Never! Loki's hand did return my life, and Mangog stalks for vengeance once more. And uh, the two of them are fighting still, and uh, Kartag comes along. And uh, Kartag being, uh, you know, giant and tough and uh, kind of a kind of a dick, says, I know of you, demon. Through some sorcery thou dost still survive, even after the dying hatred of the race which created thee hath passed. Odin returned them to life, yet the hate thou dost embody somehow remains. I remains and destroys, says Mangog. Thou art strong, stranger, but not quite strong enough. The emotions of a billion, billion beings power this demon shell and will crush you. And uh, Kartag is fighting Mangog, but he doesn't last much longer than Thor did. And he, he gets covered in uh, rocks and, and kind of just thrown off. And um, Mangog's like, ah, thou still dost stand, Thunder God. Excellent. 
I'll make my next move more poignant. Thy father would have ended my existence, would have finished me for all time, when he brought my masters out of death's dark exile. He shall pay for that, and so wilt thou. So Mangog is not happy about having been brought back, apparently. And uh, Thor says, He did what he had to do, monster. Once they battled against Asgard, his duty was clear. And uh, Stan refers back here in the caption to Thor number 154 through 157. Clear? Aye, clear to be a murderer. Giving them back their lives was truly noble, and yet futile. As futile as shifting Asgard to this lonely dimension. It but weakened him, preparing him for the final blow. And Mangog reaches into the ruins of, uh, of, the, of the, I guess, the castle, a royal castle, and he drags Odin out, and Odin is just kind of limp and just kind of laying there as though he was already unconscious or dead or exhausted or something. And uh, the Mangog drags him out, and he's got him in front of him, and um, what say thou now, Thunder God? Will thy father return from the dead as did my master's? Or be this Odin's true end now? And there's uh, Thor, close up of Thor's face here, and he's going, no! Next issue, the death of Odin. And that is the Mighty Thor number 197. And we will be talking about this issue a bit more after this message. So which is the hottest Marvel character? Iron Man. Ant-Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto, so both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, <laughs> Doc Samson. Who is he? Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're back. And of course, we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. First of all, I think the quality of this issue is a little bit better than the prior couple of issues. The story-wise, it's still nothing special, but we actually do have some movement going on now plot-wise. Our C plot, which is basically the Sif Hildegard story, now seems as though it's actually going somewhere. And, and indeed it is. Uh, starting in the next uh, couple of issues, this is going to become the B plot and then the A plot uh, of what's going actually going on in the, uh, the book. So the, uh, the B plot, as, as it is right now, being uh, Thor and the Warriors 3 in this uh, other world, is now kind of come full circle. They've come back. Now they're fighting the Mangog. Mangog is now being portrayed in a way that I don't particularly care for. Um, the character itself is being written fine. It is pretty consistent, I guess, with what's come before. But art-wise, they've now made his head smaller. He's got more humanoid-type proportions. Doesn't look like he's going to fall flat on his face. To me, that's kind of what makes Mangog Mangog. And I don't like the more human proportions of Mangog. Maybe they thought it looked stupid, but, you know, so does Modok. <laughs> you know, so does Arnim Zola. Those are characters that look stupid, but if you don't draw them right, then it's just not right. It just doesn't work. You know, you, nobody wants a, a human proportion Modok. It's just dumb. But uh, and it's kind of the same way with Mangog, I feel. 
So, uh, yeah, not like in the portrayal of Mangog particularly. Um, yeah, art, I think, uh, would be a lot better if it weren't being inked by Vinnie Coletta. Uh, Coletta does seem to simplify Busema's pencils. I don't think Busema's pencils want to be simplified. I think that uh, he really needs an embellisher who's going to, to bring out the fine details, and that's not happening here. Um, there's, there's some artists, I guess, that, that you know, Coletta might work well on, but John Buscema is simply not one of them. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it anyway. All right, and with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Of course, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also leave a message over on Facebook. Just look for us over there, and you will find us. With that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, what's left of it. Back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.